0: hey everybody welcome back to album versus album i'm your co-host as always kale judy and with me as always is the michelangelo to my donatello lucas j lawrence
1: which has got to be a true fact because we both love pizza i think do we i do love pizza, and you do stink like the sewer so it's perfect
0: yeah well and you're right there with me hey and uh we are also you know blessed uh PTL, praise the Lord, that we have uh, a very special guest today. We have the head of High Tide Artist Management and paramedic to Gibsons, Alex Wider. Welcome to the show. Thank you you for having me.
2: Welcome. Very, very excited to be here. I've been a big fan of the podcast for a long time and been itching to get on the program. We've been excited to uh, have you join. Yeah, so- we're going to
1: scratch that itch tonight. <laughs> Ooh, can't wait! I grew my nails out specially for it. Oh,
0: thank you. <laughs> so, uh, so Alex, um, this is our first time having someone who uh, works in the management side of the music industry. So, oh, interesting. Would love to hear a little bit from you, kind of before we jump into our topic for the night. How do you find? What are your What are your thoughts? I mean, running the management side, running the The biz.
2: Yeah. Um, Okay. It's funny. People, I think one of the number one questions that I get whenever I do, it's not very common that I get to like be interviewed as a manager. Usually my artists are the ones who get interviewed. But people always are like, tell me what it's like to be a manager. And the thing I can always liken it to is relationships and dating. Hmm. People always are like, I want a manager or, you know, how do you get a manager? And just like dating or a spouse, it's like people, you can't, you know, how do you get a spouse? How do you date? It's like, it happens naturally. That's (laughs) the only way I can describe it to people. People are like, what do you mean by that? I'm like, well, you know, this band, I like them, they like me. Okay, well, let's start to date, quote unquote, I will like help you out a little bit, you know, and give you some contacts. And then, hey, we're really vibing with each other. And like, this is really going well. And I feel like I like your music, and I get your music, we should get engaged. And so, therefore, you do a release together or you do a single together. You know, you do, you do something more official helping each other out. And then from there, if that engagement period has gone well, you put a ring on it and you sign the contract mm. and you become their manager.
3: Wow. Is that,
2: that's, the, that's the best way I can kind of sum it up for people because... It kind of takes away then the like, you know, how big is the band or what's the following? All that goes out the window. It just becomes about how much you believe in the project and how much you relate with the people in it. For sure.
1: Yeah, and it's a testament to you as a person, as a music fan, to be involved in the the business side of it and to see how that all shakes down. But yet Mm. you still want to come talk for... An hour plus about a band you love.
2: Totally, yeah. I mean, I'm a music fan first, and then a manager. Always and forever. I mean, that's how I got into the management business. Was I literally had a blog just writing about music because I loved it so much with two friends, and it was not paid. It was just for the love of it, and the fact that we got free concert tickets was payment enough. So
1: that's all you want when you're young,
2: right? When you're just 19, me, you're like, I am on a press list. I can go to any show I want. Oh, it's a dream. It's, it is the dream, literally. It's I remember, on, it's um, honestly
0: um, Sorry, no, you go ahead first. It's honestly the reason I've thought about starting a side podcast related to books, but I just, uh, just don't want anyone telling me what to to read. But the <laughs> idea that I could like a both get authors on that I want to talk to, and then also just get like free books in the mail is like almost incentive enough. You but, could uh, and
1: you should do that
0: thought it will maybe down the road but i will say that i think the thing that you said that really resonates with me about that is the fact that you pick the artist because you really are a fan of them it's not based on the fact that oh they have x amount of instagram followers sure i'll work with them you know like Mm -hmm. i feel like there are managers that probably work that way and it's cool to hear that for you it's much more of a i want to be a fan and also i want
2: it to be symbiotic yeah totally and i think i mean if you if you're going to be able to actually grow with the artist and if you're going to be able to actually be honest with them and have like a really, really good long-term manager and artist relationship, you have to have that like fan first mentality and then also have like a, like a real, like, like relationship with the person as well in terms of, you know, being honest about the art and cause Mm -hmm. as, as much as like management is there to help you grow and become a bigger artist and succeed and all those great things. They also become a partner of yours in a lot of ways. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, music is such an intensely emotional, personal thing for a lot of artists. You have to have that trust and that emotional understanding with this person as well in order to, like, work together in a lot of ways. Well, this kind of
1: is almost... Perfectly uh, flips us into a band that, from outside, really seems like it'd be almost unmanageable if you really try. Totally. You've got, uh, well, from 6 to 19, I think I read, it, members of this band at any time. So uh, tell us a little bit about why are we talking tonight? Why are we talking about Broken Social Scene? Why is it so important to talk about for you?
2: I think Broken Social Scene, like, to me... If like the Canadian music industry were a solar system, I'm like Broken Social Scene is the sun. Like everything wow. is like circulating around. You don't
1: think it's the Bare Naked Ladies or Celine oh, Dion? Oh my gosh!
2: No, absolutely. <laughs> Justin Bieber. Not. Well, like if we're talking about like I'm just joking. I mean, like if we're talking about like the Canadian music industry in terms of like the crowds that we, like that like we run with and like you know the indie rock kids. But mm-hmm. but even then, still like you could argue like. You know, the broken Social Scene satellite, so to speak, is like, there's members of like the hip-hop and rap crew, and there's members of like pop and rock and indie and yeah. folk. It's like mm-hmm. everything is circulating around this one band.
1: I mean, if you start to name the groups, which I think we should do right now,
2: oh my it's wild. like
1: Do Make Say Think mm-hmm. is is an incredible instrumental group, and,
0: and I don't even know what you call that genre of music. I'd like... Maybe be like they're Canada's answer to
2: explosions in the skies. Yeah.
1: Or know. like, maybe like even like Godspeed, you black emperor, yeah. like, but even weirder in some ways in those bands, but to keep,
2: like, to keep in line with our solar system analogy, stars is also stars, oh, yeah. stars are part metric. of the broken soul scene metric who I have to say are my favorite band of all time. And like wow. the reason that I've, Become part of the music industry in a lot of ways is because wow. of how much I love that band.
1: Well, you heard my story earlier about Emily Haynes, so you know <laughs> that I'm a big fan. Um, uh, also, you got Chaos, talking about hip-hop. He,
2: yeah, he is also a member of I believe of at one thing. point you
1: had the um, uh, a member of, um, what's that band? Now I know how far you go.
2: Oh. Uh,
1: that guy was in it for a little bit.
2: He was yes. Well, I mean, that band if, if you go back, it's funny. If you go back even to like the early like like the late '90s days of the trauma music scene and the Broken Social Scene members and the satellite of the people that were involved in it, Len like was involved. Steal my sunshine. Yeah, like oh, they wow. like they like it, it because the beautiful thing about this is that like you know for us on the outside now looking back on history and all these bands and success that's come since then. It's just a very, very like natural origin stories of like these are people that were sharing houses oh, yeah. and they were sharing, you know, concert bills and this is back when, you know, the the Toronto music scene wasn't the cool thing in the late nineties that it is now. You know, we look back at you know, the the late two thousands there was this whole wave that came out of Broken Social Scene. Yeah. Back then it's like you know, ninety late nineties music in Canada was like Celine Dion and Alanis Morissette, but all these people were like living and making records together and playing shows together. Mm-hmm. And that whole wave rose up and is like the broken social scene sun that now this whole solar system revolves around. Well, And I can't believe we haven't mentioned
0: in addition in, in this, uh, you know, galaxy we're talking about Feist. Yeah. Leslie Feist. Huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Apostle of hustle. Uh, Casey accidental. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. accidental. Uh, Titular song. Amy Milan. Yeah. Yep. Love Amy Milan. And Jason Collette.
2: Love yeah. Jason. Collette's yep. amazing. Uh, There's, and I think there's got to be. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Well, I'm going to say, like, La La Force is one of the more newer editions. Yeah, she's on
1: the uh, Hug of Thunder.
2: She's on Hug of Thunder, and she was also on the new Big Red Machine record, bumping elbows against, like, Fleet Foxes and Taylor Swift. So, like, you know, Broken Social Scene, as much as we're talking a Canadian thing, it's like you look at something like that, like, this is internationally reaching where the members and where these projects go. Well, and I think we could, this is just
0: an interesting little trivia bit. Um, I heard it doing the research, but like I didn't realize Lord Namecheck's Lover Spit in one of her songs. Yeah. Yeah, that's is, crazy. It's crazy. Right? I mean, like Lover that, Spit's arguably one that of are bigger. gives you like
2: the idea of like how deeply ingrained in music this band is. So, okay, so why don't we? That seems like
0: a, a great jumping off point. Why don't we jump into um, our personal stories about how we connected with this band? And then we'll start with um, You Forgot It and People. Totally. How does yeah. that sound?
1: Well, mine's quick, man. Uh, In in those years, like, I know, you you forgot it in People is 2002, I believe. And, like, I didn't get into it right away, but during that time, you know, it was, I wrote a list of all the big albums that I was, like, getting into around that time. It was, you had Stars Set Yourself on Fire. You had Death From Above, You're a Woman, I'm a Machine. You had Metric, Old World Underground. You had Arcade Fire Funeral. And so I just kind of lumped this in with all those incredible Canadian records. I mean, yeah. There's other bands that we're not. I'm not mentioning. Like Feist had put them out and the Stills, and a lot of a lot of great bands. But uh, even uh, the uh, Constantines,
3: mm-hmm.
1: a lot of great bands, putting out music at that time. So I kind of oh, saw wow. this as like the starting point of that this this wave of like just incredible Canadian music that was like mind blowing. So for me, I, I kind of in. I don't remember when I first heard them, but when when I first heard you forgot it in people, which was probably the first album I knew of them. Um, it blew my mind because it was, to me, it was like, it's pop, but it's washed out. And it's, it's, um, I wrote, <laughs> I wrote all the words I feel about it. It's ambient, it's sad, it's indie, it's funny, it's celebratory, it's washed out, it's rough, it's loose, it's psychedelic. All these things, mm-hmm. but still you can sing along. Yeah. It's not unaccessible. And so that, that's really my full story with them. I, I don't remember how I first heard it, but I just, you forgot it And people was one of my, I mean, I just graduated, I was graduating when that album came out, so it was very influential on me.
2: It's interesting, like, you just listed all those bands and those records, they all came after the Mm -hmm. release of this record. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I feel like this record is like this, if we're going back to our solar system analogy, it's like this big bang. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's like from that moment and then everything that you just listed came after that, you know?
1: So how did you find Broken Social Scene?
2: Uh, it's it's funny. It kind of ties into how I discovered like the music scene that I now like am a part of in general. Like I had terrible music taste in elementary school. We're talking so a bit of an age gap. I was in elementary school when this record came out. Um, you were in elementary school in this record. How old are you? Yeah, I'm I'm twenty nine. Oh wow. I know. Oh yeah. <laughs> we quite, so I was, I was in elementary school still <laughs> when this record it's came out. It's not that
1: much of an age gap.
2: Yeah. I mean, below uh,
1: while we were in high school, I guess. So yeah.
0: It's it's like I mean that's <laughs> eight, eight be, years It might be it might as well I, be universes I, I mean, I was starting university when this record came out. Oh so. wow. Yeah, I was in, I was a freshman in, at Trinity. Wow, wow you look
2: game. good for your age kale. Jeez. Oh, thank you. Holy thank you, Kale's people very sexy. So kinda
1: you guys both are.
2: Thank you, thank you. Um So for me, I was listening to, I don't know, like back in elementary school, you kind of just listen to like whatever everyone else listens to, which is like a lot of top 40, a lot of whatever is popular on the radio. Mm -hmm. And my sister, who was a couple of years older than me, was starting high school and, you know, starting to like discover other music outside of what we get fed in the mainstream media. And so around 2004, I was in grade seven And I used to go over to, I used to, my sister was living with my grandparents going to high school in Vancouver and I was living with my parents in uh, Richmond and I would take the bus into Vancouver to go and hang out with her on my weekends and she would literally just, you know, she's a grade eight girl. She's like, your music taste is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) And started to fill my MP3 player with all of these bands that I should be listening to in 2004, which was Stars, Yeah Yeah Yas. Metric, Arcade Fire, oh, and Broken wow. Social Scene. Yeah. Oh wow! So
1: that's a good sister. A very good Stephanie. sister.
2: I mean, I, I have to give her a whole lot of credit because I almost could argue that like the reason I'm in the music industry is because of her. You know, I remember, and, and it was weird because I, we didn't get into like the big singles that everyone else was into at that time of of these bands. You know, you mentioned like you know Ol' Underground or like you know Feist, Let It Die, but for my sister, it was like. Metric the people, which is like a weird B-side from one of their first EPs. And it was like mm. Um There's a star song called Going Going Gone, which Emily Haynes sings on because but it was before Metric. Like it was these weird, like very, very strange avant-garde songs. And I, I just had never heard music presented like this. Huh. And from there I fell into like this whole world that was the broken social scene solar system, so to speak. And I think the first thing I ever heard by Broken Social Scene was anthems for a 17-year-old girl. Oh, well,
1: then, yeah, of course you're sold.
2: Ex- and yeah. I mean, for this point, me being a you know 12-year-old kid that's falling in love with Emily Haynes, I'm like, what is this? Her wow.
1: vocal treatment in that song. Every, I mean, and the, everything about the song is incredible. I love that song.
2: Yeah, that song is going to be like Hints a whole for tangent. Later. Hints yeah. for later,
1: yeah.
0: The, um, that's very interesting to hear that from both your guys' perspectives. So I remember this record coming out kind of i listened to the self-titled record and i um you monster i still have i still have the ipod that i got when i was i think in 2004 or 5 it still works so broken social scene was a band that i like i liked and i but i also liked i loved stars i remember when um set yourself on fire was huge Mm -hmm. and and there was other stuff around that but the the memory that actually is the most interesting for me is like r- getting really getting into this band is when um, you guys, you might know my old roommate, Denver Harris, who's good friends with all the Derouge folks. And Stu actually lived with me as well for a minute after oh. Denver moved out. But Denver moved out and he's like, hey, do you want these like CDs? And he just left a, and I was like, sure, man. And he just left like a huge stack of CDs by my my bedroom door, and I went through a bunch of them, and there was like a Feist record, a few others, and there was you
2: forgot it in people and um, beehives, the the B oh, CD. Oh yeah, beehives. Yeah, I love that you brought that up because like that has one of my favorite Broken Social Scene songs, which I feel like nobody knows on it. It's it's cool, and so I it was like, and I still have,
0: and and I've talked about this before, but like I still have some old tech. So my dad gave me a, a CD and cassette player when I was 16. It was one of those old like Sony bookshelf speakers. It has like the wood paneled speakers. And like, it's meant to look like nice on a bookshelf, but I still have it. and It still works. And I will still listen to CDs. Cause that's the only thing my car plays. And so I just, I busted up both those CDs and I just would listen to them in the car a lot. And I was like, I just remember being like, Holy smokes. Like this is fuck. This is a good record. Like this is such a, like even now, like digging back into these records for this episode, it's shocking to me that this is music from 2002. Like it's so
2: It's timeless. Weird. It is right? quite
0: timeless, I got to say. It's like and it's one where I like, I don't have it, I don't have quite maybe the same reverence because it wasn't like that for first like Death from Above record, which was like hugely influential, but it's kind of like I'd say maybe lost. It's kind of died out a bit. But like this is a bit one, obnoxious that record now. Yeah. And that and like you put on Broken Social like you forgot it in people and it's still like I was playing it at dinner, and my my wife was like, "Man, like, like um, you know, like a song for seventeen year old girls." She's like, "I love this song," and like I was like, "Yeah, it's great." Like it's just like the whole record has like it has elements of everything from Dinosaur Junior to like almost baroque pop, like what kind of early Arcade Fire is doing, but it all works together in this interesting way. Like you're almost going through a like a galactic radio. Fast,
3: fast, facts, fast, facts, universe, facts.
1: Broken Social Scene, a.k.a. BSS, is a Canadian, quote-unquote, Baroque pop band formed in 1999 in Toronto. They can have as few as six, but as many as 19 members on stage at one time. Pitchfork listed Broken Social Scene as one of the most important bands of the last 25 years in 2020, which is a very big compliment
2: yeah, that's a huge. When I read comment. that, I was
1: like, "I'm sorry, Pitchfork thinks that about. That's incredible."
2: I mean, but go back I think to Canada.
1: What we, just went, just got better.
2: Go back to that whole like solar system yeah, analogy. Solar system it's like analogy, yeah. look at all these bands that have come out of this collective. It's it's a great review
0: to go back and read uh, the Pitchfork review from this that came out in 2002, and it's mm-hmm. a, the style was a bit, quite a bit different back then. But it's a guy essentially talking about how. He was just listening to hundreds of hours of just like all these terrible CDs that were coming through the Pitchfork office. And he like picked up the broken social scene record and he's like, this name is terrible. It's so pretentious. And the album art was different. And he's like, this album art sucks. He's like, this is going to be terrible. And then put it on. And he was like, oh my God. And then like the rest of the review is just like all these very effusive things about the record. And it ends with him essentially saying, actually, let me see. I have a, I have a quote from it here. On many of its tracks, the sound seem to resonate indefinitely, as if played at top volume on a Greenland hillside and recorded miles away. The wow. second quote, The that's... holy grail for people like us is the record that combines outright experimentation and strong hooks, something that engages us mentally while appealing to the instincts that draws toward pomp immediacy.
1: Wow, wow. that's that's yeah. quite the... That's beautiful. That's, that's quite the
2: interview. I mean, also, and that pitchfork review is partly why Broken Social Scene broke. Is it really? like? I mean, like that review, it's like, you know, you go back to these bands that are so, th- th- their household names amongst us now, Pitchfork back then was like, you know, if they gave you a Best New Music and a high rating you were made. Yeah. And yeah they that's gave, right. they that's gave, why I discovered so many bands. Exactly. Honestly. They gave, you forgotten people as I think a 9.2. I think so, yeah. And, you know, short, a couple of years after that they gave Arcade Fire Funeral an, a 9.4 or something like that. And it, it's like those reviews are the reason, that all, you know, in a lot of ways it's like you can't give all the credit to Pitchfork. It's like they made incredible music but luckily this, this website mm-hmm. and this blog was at, was smart enough to say, yeah, this this band is worth hearing,
0: and as a manager, that's got to be interesting to think about the fact that like sometimes it's the importance of pushing your artists in front of certain people's faces because they're exactly. gonna. There's so much stuff that goes past them, but like if whoever was managing Broken Social Scene hadn't sent that CD or that press kit to Pitchfork, and that individual hadn't listened to it, hadn't written their review, they could have they could they could have just been forgotten to time. Totally, we, none of us may have ever heard that this record. Yeah,
1: maybe, but I mean, this is a. Pr- you forgot it in people is a pretty fucking good record, but that's yeah. what I mean. It's <laughs> pretty it's fair. incredible record.
0: <laughs> I'm not saying that, but that's my point. Is that there are a lot of good, there are a lot of great records that just pass you by because you just not because they're not good, it's because you just don't hear about them.
2: I that's literally, true. I literally just told you guys about one before we started recording. Yeah, from the Broken Social eight Scene satellite, exa- eight and a half. Justin Peroff, who is the drummer of Broken Social Scene, his band that he had in 2012, they had a record that just passed by because it didn't get. Mm-hmm. So, you know, little, little mid shout out here for the eight and a half record. If you're listening to this, go listen to it because you probably haven't heard about it and it's a great record. Yeah. We can link that in the, in the show notes. I look forward to
1: it. Yeah. Well, you've forgotten people was, was a really, uh, important album in my formative years. I I loved it. Uh, A couple standout tracks, obviously anthems for a 17 year old girl. Which I still think might be Emily Haynes' best work in her career. It's, it's I mean ooh, I don't know, dude. Words. I love I Sitting love it across
2: from someone who like knows metric and Emily Haynes a solo record knives, like the back. Knives of his Don't Hand. Have Your Back is a great I'm record. Like, ooh.
1: I love uh, knives don't have your back, right? Yeah. I I love that record, but I mean this this song is perfect. And she's you know, the stars align for this. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. Uh it it's an incredible song. Um Casey Accidental is an incredible, like, instrumental song that just happens to have an amazingly, like, catchy little centerpiece. You know, it's like a, a valley where it's like the the song Crescendos drops down for some vocals and, and cranks out. But then we've also got songs like Lover's Spit that was in movies. Lords making references to it, I think. I think it was in the... I think it was... I remember in a finale of a show I watched, but I think it was in the L Word more than once. I mean, like, these guys were kind of... Like all over the place in in, in 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 as far as like not just being an indie success, but like a commercial mm-hmm. success as well with mm-hmm. this with this record.
0: Which is crazy to like listen to this record now. It's a goddamn weird record. Like it's very it strange. It goes a lot of strange places and I I just was listening to it and I'm like it gives me a bit of hope for humanity when records like this bizarre get so big. And I think in doing some of the research for this, it is true though that like There was a quote I read where um, Kevin Drew was talking about how like, you know, all of us in Broken Social Scene, we've already all made our art house records. We've made art house records. This is a record where we're all coming together. We're trying to make a pop record. And the focus for them was like, this is them writing pop songs. (laughs) You know what I mean? Which is like, which I I uh, love. I've actually realized that's one of my favorite like types of music is when arty bands try to come and make not try to when they come to the crossroads of trying to make pop music and like they bring melodic elements into things that are kind of strange. So it's like, Oh, like, you know, like you think about like developed underground, it's like who loves the sun um, or the Beatles. And then they have their own song about the sun. And it's like, it's
2: kind of poppy, but it's also like very spacey and strange. But it's like, I'm yeah, like, that was their
0: response to
1: Here
2: Comes the Sun. That's funny that you're bringing this up because I was going to say one of my favorite tracks on this record is Looks Just Like the Sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that wow. song's
1: got to me. That song's so interesting. It has all those, like, uh, the studio count ins. Like, so I was, yeah. Like, okay, yeah. come in after this. Okay. Three, four, all that stuff. I was so thinking
2: like, about, like, what my favorite songs were from this record on the way over here which I feel like everyone who knows me and so far listening to this episode would probably be like, he's going to sing anthems for a 17-year-old girl because of Emily Haynes. But actually, no. My favorite song on this record is Almost Crimes. Spoiler alert. That is like uh, something about it. Like when that... When the ending comes in where like, I think that it's almost a crap. I'm like, you just, I, I want to scream it with them. I'm like, I'm fully into the song at that point. I mean, I'm I fully mean, uh, so on this it. brings
1: up something about Broken Social Scene that I really appreciate is that it seems to bring out like the, the obvious players in this one really are like to me, Leslie Feist and, and Emily Haynes. Because we really know them the most like strongly as far as like mm-hmm. household names are the closest you get, you know, well, Feist, you know, one, two, three, four. Yeah. That song's hard to argue with. But, you know, you you get an aggression out of her on this album that you don't really see anywhere else in anything I've ever heard. Exactly. Or Emily Haynes, you know, is usually singing and performing in, like, a pretty rock-pop-centered
2: way. It's, it's a more and on this experimental getting, realm for her. She's going all weird. So it's yeah. really
1: cool they bring out these weird sides of people, which is really cool. And, and especially with Feist, I, I'm really impressed with, like, You have to think like it sounds like her, but is it her? You have to
2: look. Have you ever seen the performance of when they did almost crimes? It was on one of the one of the late shows. I don't know which one. Don't quote me on it. But it's like they got Leslie Feist to come and perform with them on this late show, and I love it because she's holding. I think it's a memory boy pedal, which is a a guitar pedal, but she's holding it for her own vocal effects during the live performance of the song. And something about it is so like imprinted in my mind is like this big, you know, there's like 10 people on stage mm-hmm. and they have Leslie Feist front and center. And just to like enforce the weirdness and the experimental side to them, you know, you, you, she's a folk artist with a yeah. guitar and it's very beautiful. And here she is rocking out on stage, holding a guitar pedal in one hand on a late night television show. It's just like they, all the, all the things that they are that they're told by their labels or their managers to conform to they throw it all out the window whenever they come back to Brooklyn social scene yeah it's cool Stress it's it's like, got to
1: be freeing
0: it's a space where it feels like listening to this record I, I to be totally honest like there aren't even times where i'm like i'm not even sure who who's who i'm like i don't know is this emily anne i'm like i don't know he's this Feist? is this kevin drew? like sometimes i'm like it's pretty obvious when it's kevin drew but like i'm like who is it like it just sort of it all sort of like kind of to me it just feels like it sort of flows in and out yeah um, which, so speaking of I think this is a good time to transition to uh, why don't we pick our, our tasty treats for You Forgotten people
1: So a tasty treat is, is, is a favorite moment on the record, you know, just like a specific thing that happens in the music, in the lyrics, in the vocals, like just something that happens that you love. It's very hard to choose on a record that's as Ooh. dense and lush and layered as this, Yeah. but uh, you got to choose one. Or,
2: oh, this, this is, this is really tough for me because I'm like, there's so many, there's so many musical moments on this record that can fall lot, into this yeah. category. And when I was thinking about like you know what are the things I love about this record, this is like kind of a funny thing. I was like so- something about looks just just like the sun, feels a bit like a mushroom trip. It's got like this like weird mm. like psychedelic flowing easygoing quality to it, and the moment that the female harmonies come in. pretty sure it's actually emily haynes i actually wrote down but i'm not I sure it, it, going back to kale's point it two minutes
1: two minutes and 40 seconds into the song i wrote that down because that's a moment
2: for sure yeah it could be feist it could be emily haynes you're not quite sure but like at this point in the song you're just mm-hmm. so into this sonic soundscape that they've painted you you're you're like you're lying in this proverbial field going yeah that looks just like the sun and then it's like this female harmony enters and you're like i don't know I'm full I'm fully into it and I and every time it comes up I always somehow forget that it is coming and I'm still surprised by it every time I hear mm. it. Yeah.
1: That's a very good taste to treat. Yeah. You put you on the spot but it seems like you're ready for it. Uh,
2: apparently, yeah.
1: Um yeah, for me I I think I, like I I, I force myself to do one cuz I yeah, otherwise it, this would be an editing nightmare cuz every song I could probably give you four or five. But I think for me a part that's always stuck out on this record I can remember since the first, like the first time I ever put the CD in the CD player, is the song "Almost Crimes," which is such a hectic song. I love it. Um, is a is, uh, there's this kind of like music interlude that happens a few times, and there's this really wildly discordant like bass and guitar part where they're like on purpose playing notes that do not sound good together, but it's every time it happens, I'm just like, yes, yes, do that. Yeah, I, just, I love that a band can do something so wrong,
2: but it feels so right, you know? And also, I
1: love uh, Leslie Feist singing, we've got love, we've got hate. It's the only way.
2: That was, on, that was like in my mind today. I was thinking, something about that line is yeah, like... so good. And the way she screams it, it's the only way. It's like, oh, it's yeah. kind That's of ugly, you know? It's like, she, she doesn't sing it like cleanly. Her. I love it.
1: What about you, care? What's your
0: TT? So, um so my tasty treat. I this is one of the few where I might have I I might have to mention too. Uh usually that's Lucas's move. It's
1: always my move, yeah. So Um.
0: the the, I would say my main tasty treat is from Cause Equals Time. And I love this song and it has a very dinosaur junior vibe, and I and I really love it. But it's not just because it sounds like Dinosaur Jr., although that is a part of the reason why I like it so much. But there's a specific moment um where Uh, He sings, been alone since
3: 89. 89. But
0: But, uh, that to me is a very, the epitome of, I think, what makes this such a, a great song, where it's like this catchy, melodic, sort of like washed out, grungy song, and then But it's also like there's a sense of loneliness in the toughness that I find really, really appealing. And then I'd say my second tasty treat is um, from Shampoo Suicide, which I think is a a song that really stood out Mm, to me listening to this. And the start of the record almost sounds like it could be a page of the Lion song, like from the start of Control. You know why? It's the
1: snare drum. Yeah, They've, they've taken the snare off the drum. kind of dead soundings
0: there it's, yeah it's great yeah so i think that is also a great taste to treat in in just what it does for the start of the song and then it sort of really sets it up for the build that that comes through in the in the middle of it but shampoo suicide was a song a couple of times i was like is this my hero <laughs>
1: dude i know exactly what you're saying because about a, i wrote down a minute and 30 that that shampoo suicide kind of changes like vibe yeah. it kind of the beat kind of comes in stronger and it's like pretty effective you're like man these guys are it's like a whole new v- v- song. Zeroes zeros.
3: Zeros.
1: Zeros and heroes. Heroes and zeros. zeros. Um, Hero is your favorite song. Hero is a song you just love. Zero is a song, and you must choose one, that maybe if you were going to take one off, you'd take one, this one off. So, uh,
0: should we start with the guest?
1: Why don't, we, why don't we save? Yeah, I can never see he's, he's in torment over the zero. Let's start with zeros, should we?
2: We well, would start with the zero. Yeah, we we'll started with zeros last time. I'm, but... I'm ready for this one. All
1: right. never mind then. Let's start with the guest.
2: Yeah. I, I gotta say, like, my, my zero is probably I'm still your fag, just because I'm like, even though it's not like, uh, it's not said in a terrible way, I'm like, as a gay person, I'm like, I just, no, I'm still Go, your can, fag. I'm can, like, I'm sorry. Can we talk about that for a
1: second? Is that song someone saying like, it's like an ex-gay lovers it's, it's, it's,
2: it's or is in it a, It's in a very cigarettes. like endearing way, but it's just like, it's just like using a term that is antiquated. And yeah. so for me, I'm just like, and the song, and, and I would be maybe a bit more defensive if the song was great, but it is the most forgettable song on the record as well. well
1: I was really surprised because you know? again, listening to it, I'm like, I remember even back then feeling like this, like, I don't know, is it, is the, is, is the, who sings that song? kevin drew is he gay no
2: okay i mean like and, but the story is, is about this like is, this gay is lovers thing. If we're talk about like gay things in the book of social scene universe is that like there is a very healthy amount of like gay acceptance and also there's a very very like interesting like like i think jimmy shaw has referred to kevin drew as his husband at times so like oh. and and in the this book is broken. I think it's an Emily Haynes quote. She's like, everybody has fucked everybody in a very beautiful way. And hmm. I was like, interesting. So obviously like between books, there's a very healthy amount of like acceptance. Do you LGBTQ think they let me acceptance. in the band? I, I think the thing that like, I think when I hear the
0: title of the song and listening to it, I th- but the way I took it was like, especially in 2002 when I was in high school, like using the word like fag was like often used to like, if it was someone who was not cool like it's someone yeah. who was like like it was more associated with like oh you're like a beta you're not like very manly like or you're like like it had a lot of negative connotations Stop talking about me, Kale. but i feel like <laughs> but like i remember getting like like i was like like the like i when i started high school i was homeschooled till grade nine and like my first year of high school i wore like christian t-shirts probably once or twice a week i remember getting called that a lot and uh <laughs> getting a lot of like and i was just like i was homeschooled i was like I just feel like these guys don't like me, I don't know why. But like I feel yeah. like in two thousand two using that term, I hear the title and the tone of the song as like I'm like I'm still your loser
2: is kinda how I take it. Yeah. And it's a very beautiful sentiment, but I feel like I don't know. Just the song the song. Is, also that what the song is the song isn't the song isn't that Amazing on the record. That's the other thing. It's like on top of it not being a great title that hasn't aged well. Yeah, the song it itself well. is kind of like the most skippable song. Think, of back the record, back then,
1: that title wasn't like so PC. Like, but, so I'm wondering, is the song like uh, a story about ex gay lovers, or is he talking about being like a so a social outcast? I, I, I don't, think it, really ma- I don't think it really. I don't think it
0: matters that much. Though I think it's like, is it does the song work? So I actually wrote down so you can see in my notebook, but. My zero is also that song. I'm really? sorry, your fag is also my zero. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Be- because to t- to kind of Alex's point, I think it's it's just it's it's a weak song in comparison to like the rest of the record. And I was just going through. I was like, I don't think I could cut any of these songs, or you really lose part of the diet, the sort of the ebb and flow. And it's right at the end, and the very last song after Lover Spit is is this song. So if you're gonna follow Lover Spit, it really needs to be strong. And it feels like. It, it, it's like um, it's like the air is coming out of the balloon of the record, and I think yeah. that's fine. But I'm like, it's not a bad song. But I'm like, it's definitely the most, to your point, Alex, the most forgettable one. And I think if you cut it, you lose nothing just going from that and to, the, Power uh, to goes the outro. My heart
2: comes after it, which is a um, a sonic refrain back to anthems, which yeah. is yeah. such a beautiful exactly. way to w- end the record. Yeah, it is. So it's, for me, I'm just like it's perfect. If you went from Lover Spit into Peter Power goes my heart, I'm just like, that is. Perfection. Maybe yeah. that would get it from a nine point two to a ten on Pitchfork. I've
1: truly never understood th- uh, that song, and I've always felt like uh, the, the, the 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 word fag is not a word that I've ever felt comfortable saying. No, but it's also like I always thought at the time was there no one in the band who was like, "Hey, maybe we shouldn't call the song this or it's anything." Like I just always was like, like,
2: "And it's a gay love song." And, and I mean, the internet and says that's it's a gay love song. speaks to how the lover moved on with his Yeah, he got he gets married, married to a woman. Left behind despite this the speaker sadly asserts that he's still hooked on his lover and that the, that his heart still belongs to him the slightly mocking use of fag indicates a level of self-deprecation while also hinting at how the Yeah which is why like, like I'm like I think this is why like Broken Social Scene probably hasn't been canceled over this is that I'm like I'm sure some of the male members have had sexual encounters with each other but it's like in a very beautiful they're all loving each other This is why I've been trying
1: to get Jordan to get me to play bass for his band
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's
1: no other chance for this to happen.
2: Anyways, moving on to our <laughs> heroes of the record. No, I haven't said uh, my zero, you guys. I think one of my heroes on this record. I haven't cause... said my zero yet. Oh y- no! You L- think, oh, you think everyone hates
1: that song? Guess what? I like the guitar in that song. I am so so sorry. I would say the guitar line in that song is one of my favorite guitar parts in the album. Oh wow! Now. It is very questionable, though. But my, I do not like late 90s bedroom rock for the Missionaries song. I know it's kind of like an interlude, but man, that song to me, the other one, Pacific Theme, I'm fine with. You don't need words for that song. That song's awesome. It's catchy. It's fun. But late bedroom rock, 90s rock, I just was like... <sighs> I
0: disagree. I, 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 I think that song's great. And yeah, just and it, whatever. It, it To me, it, it's like I haven't really listened to their first record, but like knowing that era and like the type of music they're making, I'm like, oh, this is like the cool... This is like this is like a cool sort of like Do You Make Think Explosions in the Sky song that's kind of mixed in with like yeah. two or three other elements that's sort of creating an interesting like it's sort of like if you're on a you know if you if you're at like a Nonsbury Farm and you're on this you know a ride and it's like taking you in a weird loop to loop I feel like that's kind of the song it's like you know it's whipping you around I'm like it's fine that it's your zero I'm just saying I. I'm just trying to create a little conflict here. Little tension, no, I mean, you're
1: totally wrong nice. because Explosion this <laughs> Sky and Do Make Say Thing make cool epic songs. That song's boring.
0: But I like wow. that I like <laughs> that the song is being muted. It's like they're, they're not, they're a band, like they, they're they literally the next record we're talking about is Hug of Thunder. Like they've said that, like that's what they're trying to do with their music. Their music is supposed to be a hug of thunder. Like it's like the, these two sort of counterposed
2: elements happening. I feel like that's what this yeah. song is. H-F. The cacophony juxtaposed with the embrace. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Exactly It's uh So that's your zero
0: Yeah that's my zero wow. Okay that's, uh, Totally fair Totally Mo- fair Moving on to heroes I feel here.
1: very judged right now It's okay <laughs> Okay heroes Lucas, Lucas
2: <laughs> there's no judgment in this room It's, it's okay It's not a
1: judgment at all There's so much judgment on this podcast I'm just, That's oh all we gosh. do We judge music
2: <laughs> I mean We do judge music But there's no like personal judgment <laughs> No I'm
1: just joking So tell us your hero Because you are ready I I, Okay
2: like I say, well, You just brought it up Because we haven't talked about this song yet I think one of my heroes on this record Is Pacific
1: you no, what only one here you only choose one
2: Dude, like, Pacific I'm, theme such, is a, I'm great sorry, I'm, so, I'm not an absolute person, when someone's blum, like, blum. choose your absolute favorite. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that.
1: Well, just choose your absolute today. You, okay, today, so today, Pacific today Pacific I, I'm, I'm, I'm
2: really, really vibing with Pacific theme. Yeah. Probably because I'm a boater and because I just love oh, the West Coast, yeah. I love that Broken Social scene being an East Coast band gave us a song called Pacific Theme. It, it does and feel
1: like you're on the water.
2: It feel, Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I put it on. I'm like, I picture myself on my boat. I can picture the sun and the summer. I can picture like the rain and the trees. And like today I was, I don't know if for me today, I'm, I'm, I'm really loving. And I've, I've always loved Pacific theme. Hmm. I've always been a fan of broken social scenes, instrumental work. Side note here. A lot of people think that this record is broken social scenes, debut record. It is not their debut record is feel good loss, which came before this, which was an instrumental record mostly. So I, and so I, I just I love their instrumental side because they're a band that's so good they don't even need to sing always to, mm-hmm. get, to get an emotion or to get the feeling across.
1: Yeah, I, so my hero, I mean, I, I will say one of my favorite, Anthem, anthem for a 17-year-old girl is, is forever one of my favorite songs. It's an incredible song. And I, it almost transcends the idea of Hero and Zero because it's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, but I didn't want to choose a one because Casey, Accidental, is my is my hero. I think that song because that song is a song where this is a band that's like we can be patient and we can just like ride out this like little riff that we got. It's nothing crazy or wildly special, but the whole song is this like musical journey to like a small little sonnet of like words and then just you get back into the rock out but now since the vocals have started now you go back to this instrumental part and now it feels different this time Mm -hmm. around and i gotta say uh when i first heard this record the hook that caught me was that song and i still feel i still am just like man and when i saw them live on toronto island once um oh that was incredible um, wow. I, it was that they were touring self-titled, but they played Casey accidental later that night. And I remember just, they dragged it out for like 15 minutes. It was rad. It was one of the, it was one of the, uh, it was either the last song or the encore. I can't remember. Uh, probably anthems yeah, for a 17 year old girl was, but, uh, Emily Hans was not performing with them that night, sadly.
2: Oh, uh, it's it, it, it one of the last times I saw a program social scene people started chanting emily emily during the third song and kevin drew just shut them down which i loved he was like she's not here stop it <laughs> and i was like way to go way to just like cut cut the excitement but the funny thing is because that is part of like the broken social scene mm-hmm. it like you know lore is that members can pop out on stage at any time so yeah you can't really blame people for like chanting because it's like she could she could just pop out you never know yeah yeah, I, I, yeah, it's interesting. I, mean, I guess
0: it is invited a bit when you have a very unique structure to your band like that. But mm-hmm. it's also got to be a little annoying when it's like, okay, we know, yes, we know, guys. She's probably our most famous member. But like, sorry, like, I think yeah. we're in Tennessee. The most,
2: I, I would know. say that Feist is the most famous member. Uh, is Feist more the,
0: famous? I guess so. I guess she
2: is. yeah. No, right? One, two, Oof. three,
1: four was like a Grammy. Yeah, there.
2: like I'm sorry, Emily Haynes has never walked a Grammy's red carpet. Feist also has.
1: Feist was. Yes, oh, yeah, and right. also she was on Sesame
0: Street. My dad also loved that for cd Man, he would not pull that out of the yeah. car for what's a uh, long what's, time. What's
2: your hero in
1: this record? Well, hey, the last thought that song, like Casey Accidental, I want to say is that it's really hard for musicians to play the way they're playing, like kind of unhinged and indulgent, mm-hmm. you know, like really indulgent, and for it to feel like feel that good. Usually mm. musicians yeah. like, listen to my noise, you're like cool thank you for wasting my time it's like a really good quentin tarantino movie or something where you know that the scenes are like you know the new wes anderson uh french dispatch where it's like it's just wes anderson indulging himself over and over again but it feels so good that's what i feel about this song
0: i i totally agree and i think to just add on to that i the way they've structured the record like actually i meant to bring it in with me for a recording but um i have the cd that denver gave me still it's in my car oh my god but uh it's Love that it's like, it's cool on the CD that it's got that it's, the album is like called out as being a side A and side B like a, like a vinyl record would be. And which is also funny to think like in back in 2002, like vinyl wasn't really a thing. So you're like hearkening back to the idea that you'd have to like, this would be flipping it. But like the end of side A is anthems for a 17 year old teenage girl. And that's, and it's cool because like even listening to it now, it's like that, that song with that placement, it has like a real pinnacle moment of the record and it, for me, even as someone who wasn't, doesn't have all the history with it, I can tell, and like I resonate with that song. I'm like, this song stands out, and there's a reason it has this sort of like special spot on the album. However, it's not my hero. So Ooh. my hero is... Uh, my hero on uh, You Forgot It and People is Stars and Suns. Nice. Track three. Yeah, good Great choice. song. Great song. So, I picked it because it has a uh, muted passion I wrote, and it's the song that makes me a fan of the record where like it it's sort of like it's so interesting because like I think what is so successful about this record is you have all these great musicians from Toronto, especially at the time, like you said Alex, where it wasn't necessarily a scene people were looking to for great music, where it's like this record, by a lot of regards should be terrible, like you bring in this many artists, you bring in this many ideas, it could just become a- like a cacophony of of noise and and sort of like just a mess and a lot of like we've all heard like those muddy, weird records that like, you know, could have come out during this time, but there's like a there's a singularity to like what's kind of happening through the record. And to me, like Suns and Stars and Suns kind of captures like everything that's sort of going on and then sort of harnesses it into like a, a beam. And it's like you're gonna fucking love this shit. And that's like that's the song yeah. where I'm like I, also, it gets me it gets me like into it. So I'm that like okay. song
1: has an, a, a great bass line. And awesome. a very bada, rare, bada, very bada, rare, bada, amazing, bada, amazing um, clapping.
0: Oh yeah, and the clapping and and the is tasteful, Just
1: straightforward, just just
3: Yeah.
0: I know it.
1: So Whoa. before we get into Hug of Thunder, why so don't you just sneaky. tell us as a, uh, tell us tell us about some of the artists you're working with?
2: Yeah, uh I would love to. Um I want I kind of want to like like reference like all the artists that I have worked with this far. Yeah, go for so it. So beginning of my management career, uh, I started managing a Tourist Company when I was 21. Um they literally just sat me down and were like, we don't know anything about the music industry. You know some people from your website and we would love to work with you if you want to be our manager. And being 21, I'm just like, that's so cool. These people want me to be their manager. I'm in. No idea what I was doing. Um, and it, to kind of like paint listeners a better picture here, it's like at this point, Deer had just won the Peak Performance Project and they were just friends of mine. And Drew was like,
1: a big performance project is a local radio competition for that really can help a band out.
2: Yeah. So the, yeah. the grand prize was a hundred thousand dollars for your listeners that don't know it. It's a lot of money that you just like, you can put it into your career for everything, touring, recording, whatever you want. Um, and Drew from dear Rouge really, really encouraged me. He's like, you should totally take on this band as a, as a manager, do it. And I was like, "I I, I don't really know what I'm doing. He's like, I'll, I'll coach you. Like, You know, if you ever have questions or you don't know what to do, we're a bit farther ahead than you. And we will totally help you out in terms of, you know, giving you advice or helping you to, like, see um, how to do this properly. So, So Imagine Tourist Company... Um, we won the, we won third place. The performance project won $50,000 all of a sudden at 22 years old, I'm like, okay, I guess we're really doing this thing and we are going to go on the road and we're going to make a record. And then a band shortly after that called Van Damsel asked me to manage them. Or I, we like found each other, start working together 2015. I helped them win a bunch of money in the peak as well. And then, at that point I'm like 24 and I'm like, I seem to be onto something here because I've now gotten two bands, quite a bit of money and like on the radio and jury in Canada and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So at this point I was working at Grouse mountain, a local ski resort, like, you know, guy in my young twenties being like, I'm just going to ski and make money. And I'm like, I really want to do this music thing. I need to find a job that is much more flexible that would fit into a really, really chaotic schedule. That is the music industry And someone who I'd worked with was like, you should become a paramedic. And I was like, sorry, what? And she's like, yeah, you can set your own schedule. You literally can just tell them what days you want to work and you can go and work those days. So I quit my job on the mountain. Tourist company went on the road to promote their first record, Apollo. I literally would drive to school listening to them being played on CBC radio, go to my classes. In between my classes and my exams, I would like book them shows and like, do my manager work. I remember like being in the hallways of my, like the school I was going to like taking calls with booking agents and that kind of thing. And then graduated my paramedic program, became a paramedic incorporated my company and started to take on more artists and be more intentional about it. And the mm. first artist I took on after I incorporated was Alexandria Mayo, a singer songwriter from Vancouver Island, who is incredible and helped her put out her record in 2019 called Benevolence, which was gorgeous. And you know we w- went and did CBCQ and got to meet Tom Power. And then shortly after that, I started managing another band called Featurette. Jordan Claussen approached me in late 2018 and was like, "I want you to be my manager." And that was a huge gesture for me in my mind because I'm like Jordan's, you know, incredible, and he's on all these all these big Spotify playlists, and he tours Europe. And he's like, "I want you to be, want you to be my manager," and. Brought him into my little company as well. And then it's just been kind of a steady growth from there on out. Um, Brought Golden Youth out of a long, long hiatus and helped them put out a record last year called Dream Baby, which is one of my favorite records ever. Uh, My current roster includes co-managing Dear Rouge, which is insane for me even to say because it's like they helped me become a manager and now I am co-managing them with Drew and they are like two of my best friends, and it's such an honor to work with them. I have Blonde Diamond, who toured with Dear Rouge in 2018, and they met me and were like, we need you to work with us. Uh, Featurette still, Jordan Claussen still, uh, and Tourist Company has moved on to now be less active as a band, but Taylor has started an incredible neo-ambient project called Neighborhood Libraries, that I got him signed to network with,
1: featured on one of our past playlists we made.
2: Yeah, uh, songs to or uh, it's a
0: sleepy time. Our yeah. sleepy time
2: playlist. It's yeah, great sleepy time artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so neighborhood libraries. Uh, we're still working together and working with network now, which is really really exciting. And yeah, I started I started a label side this past year as well because I got really sick of working with smaller distributors that anybody can use. And I reached a point in my career where I actually had access to better distributors in Toronto and just asked them, like if I was to have a label side, would you distribute my music? Um, Helped my friend, Kevin Hackett put out a record last summer called awake after midnight. Um, So yeah, it's cool. I'm, I'm at a point now in my career where I'm starting to like being able to like take on more risks based on just liking an artist and liking the music. And um continuing to grow my roster and a lot of a lot of big things coming up in 2022 for the high tide roster jordan has a new record coming out called glossolalia in april which comes out on the same day as dear rouge's record called spirit
1: it's a big day for you
2: it's a very big day for me um neighborhood libraries will have an ep out in may and more new music in the fall Uh, and blonde diamond is on a very, very, very upward trajectory with their current single Red Flags still growing at radio and a debut record coming from them in probably June or September, we will see, because that one is kind of evolving as we go forward with it. Very cool. Yeah.
0: That's great.
1: That's exciting. You know, I always, I always respected people in the music industry who could stay, excited and stay like passionate about it and that's uh that's it's cool to see that it's cool to see that in the, on the management side of things
2: i'm such a nerd i'm like sitting here smiling listing off all that, no projects. it's great i love it i love it
0: <laughs> so uh so gentlemen why don't we jump into our next record hug of thunder So, Alex, why don't you, like maybe to start us off, can you give us a, like a real quick jump um, or maybe if you can give us a real quick synopsis of like what happened to Broken Social Scene from You Forgotten People from 2002 to the release of Hug of Thunder, which came out in 2017?
2: Totally. Uh, so, yeah, Broken Social Scene, after You Forgotten People, there's obviously the self-title that you referenced in 2005. There was, after 2005, all of the... Aforementioned bands had various levels of mainstream success. With you know, Metric broke out, Stars had you know, you set yourself on fire, Feist blew up, Chaos had a crab bucket. Like, it's just you know, check out the crabs in the bucket. Yeah, re, like, really, really rightfully so. A lot of these artists succeeded, and obviously, Broken Social Scene became less of the priority. Yeah, um, back burner. Yeah, and, and the, main, the main members of Broken Social Scene, you could argue, are like Kevin Drew and Brendan Canning. Both had solo records that they did over the late 2000s. Uh, up until 2010, Broken Social Scene did the Forgiveness Rock record, which is still one of my favorite like Canadian records of all time. has a couple of phenomenal tracks, including Texaco Bitches, which is such a great song title and such a great song. Um, and Sentimental Exes, which going back to like the, you know, almost incestuous relationships between all the members, Sentimental Exes is a beautiful song. And another Emily Haynes led one about all these friends that are almost exes of each other, but are still sentimental towards each other. Mm-hmm. And after a Forgiveness Rock Record, the band was kind of like, we're taking a hiatus. And a lot of people thought like that might actually be the end because you know, at this point, we're talking 2011. Metric has just done fantasies. They are blowing up. Feist is post the reminder. So she is now a, you know, Grammy-nominated worldwide name.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So all the, it, you can kind of see the members are starting to go down all of their roads into their careers in really beautiful and also, like, heartbreaking ways after this gorgeous record. Mm-hmm. Fast forward seven years to 2017. Hug a Thunder. And we somehow find all of the original members from You Forgotten People had free time at the same time. They were able to record together. They were able to make this record and not only record it together, but also toured it with almost all of the same members that toured That's crazy. You that's Forgotten wow. People 15 like years later. Just right? that's crazy. And, and as a manager, I respect that logistics. Okay. I'm like, oh my gosh, like to get all those like that that window to open up between stars and metric and feist and the broken social scene crew it's like what are the chances but it did and i think they did um the lead single of hugo of thunder was halfway home and they did it on one of the late night shows with almost all of the original members
1: that's so cool it it,
2: it was it was like a like a glorious high school reunion in some ways. Mm. Like, and it, it's, it was such a joy to watch that on live TV and being like, look at that. There's these 15 yeah. Toronto kids. Here we are 15 years later, no. all on a stage in LA playing their brand new single that they just recorded together. That's wild, right? That's so cool. And I think that sets us up very well
0: for jumping into this record. So hug of thunder was a record that came out in 2017, Um, as alex just mentioned a lot of the original members um they all wrote this song together and this record was at the time it came out a record that was a uh even though you said you really liked forget him strong record and i think a lot of people did this hug of thunder was the record where it's like okay this is really us like coming together and making something new and almost like a like injecting all the juices back into this band. And I think a thing that I found really interesting in reading some of the interviews with Kevin Drew from around when this came out is that this record was also a reaction to a lot of the negativity and sort of narcissism that was like very prevalent and still is online, and how social media is so often about like celebrating what you can take down, not celebrating what's good and like the connection in people. And so, like, literally, this band is literally about making music. And creating connections with um, friends. And that is the thing he kept coming back to. It's like you have a community, people you can lean on, people that love you, that that you love, that you're doing something cool together. And it's like, let's celebrate that in this record. And I really love, especially now in 2022, listening to this record and being like, even the things he was talking about, I was like, man, it's like, there's that one line where it's like, things couldn't get any worse. And it's yeah. like, it's meant to be ironic and it's like things have gotten worse, obviously, but it's also the fact that, like, if you have a community, if if you have people you care about, and you continue to invest in that, like you have that, that is something especially We continue to lean on even when things are rough, and I think that is a really great sentiment to build a record around. And that seems like totally. what they did. They did that in on this record in a way that I feel isn't isn't cheesy and is actually like they distilled. What was great about "You Forgot It in People" into like something new and created a new record where it wasn't beholden to like, oh, we need to make, you know, anthem for a seventeen-year-old girl. again. Well,
1: I do want to like piggyback on that because I really do feel like this is the sequel to "You Forgot It in People." Like, yeah, it feels like self-titled. There's some connection for sure, but it's its own thing, and and, and the other records are are they they definitely go their own way, but. This one feels like this, the spiritual but also sonic sequel to You Forgotten People. Like there's a lot of similarities and a lot of like way they craft the songs and stuff. Um, I, I agree about the sentiment. I, I really like, um, sorry, what's her name? Uh,
2: uh,
1: is it Ariel La, Angle. La Force? Yeah, L-A- Ariel Angle. LaForce.
2: Force? La Force, yeah. Ariel
1: Angle, her voice is incredible.
2: Oh my goodness. What an
1: addition to yeah. a band that already has lots of members. But, you know, she sings that song and... Stay Happy? Yeah, and I thought like, man, this is such a nice um, addition. But then at the same time, uh, the thing that stood out to me on this record, probably the most, is just how good the band is. Like, they've been doing this for so long; they're they're in the pocket. They're like they're you know they're on the they're on the track. It's happening. Mm-hmm. Like the bass playing on this record, for all my bass players out there. It is, I mean, uh, You Forgotten People's great, great bass stuff. It's really, really like uh, someone took took a bass and said, like, how can I make this not sound like a bass in Mm. so many ways? (laughs) But like this, this one, the drumming, the bass playing and all the guitar, like it's, they're really all like firing on all their cylinders. You know, it's like, it's really, everyone showed up for this one
2: yeah Which and, is cool. and that's I think that 's the energy right there. everyone showed up for this one, whereas forgiveness rock record a lot of the members were like, Oh, we'll contribute, but like i 'm on the road with my project, so i 'll you know cut a vocal in whatever studio mm-hmm. you know i'm in and send it in, or hey i'll write a part and record it, but then I gotta like check out and i can 't tour it i have a gr- I have a
0: great quote I want to add in, so in comparison in comparing the reviews of hug of thunder i thought this was one um, that i thought really suited what we're talking about well broken social scene are defined by a kind of utopian collectivism and the lead-up to hug of thunder confirms that their excessive generosity can make them a seriously inefficient singles band which as a manager i'm sure you'd you, you could find frustrating but totally. in the same way that the members of broken social scene renounce their star power to present a unified front the individual songs of hug of thunder are best understood as reciprocal parts of of a whole which i think is cool in that i think that's something maybe people wouldn't have thought about with um you forgot in people but it, it is true of that record and i think that in similar that's where they make it makes them sister records like you said lucas because i think this record is very similar in that it in the same way works best as a collective in the way that all the songs like as any record should but even more so with this man because you have so many voices coming in it's like the record has to be the unified front in this you know mm-hmm
2: and it's funny in that regard my thought around comparing the two records was that you forgot it and people does have stronger standout songs but i would argue that hug of thunder is a more cohesive whole record yeah for sure
1: interesting yeah i, I actually think i do agree i think like i had so much emotional connection to you forgot it and people because that record was so important for me and when it came out and and how it felt to listen to that record at the time.
2: Yeah. It, uh,
1: but just what I was going to say, I had the emotional connection, but like, I actually, like, Hug of Thunder is a, is a monster of a record. It's, it's a great record. It's mm-hmm. solid. It's,
2: I can't it's believe that they're five,
1: five albums in.
2: It's, it's funny because it, it's like, in a lot of ways, it does call back to You Forgot It In People. It's like You Forgot mm-hmm. It in People opens with a very instrumental, more ambient-leaning yeah. song. Hug so of Thunder Luna's opens with a more ambient, yeah. leaning song.
1: They should have called it "You Remembered It in Robots,"
2: right? And then, like you know, everyone's like, "Well, where's the Emily haynes led track? Well, you got it, protest song." Yeah, okay well, where, song where, Where's the incredible. Where's the Leslie Feist led song? You got it, Hug of Thunder. Like <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like it's like the band themselves was like they went back and listened to You Forgot It. And people were like, "All right, guys, we gotta we gotta like make sure we check all the boxes again." I, I've often thought
0: like it's such an interesting thing with success where like if you are and this is a thing i uh, we were saying off air but a friend of the pod tom kolb who fronts des hume we had a really good conversation yesterday we went for a bike ride and we were talking about music and success and all that and he's had some success on um you know on spotify and some streaming channels and so tom was saying for him the important thing is it's less about having the song that hits on a playlist or gets a bunch of streams it's more about creating something that you're happy with and i think if you are constantly pursuing something and your goal with what you're producing is making things that you find interesting and you're just pursuing avenues that are curious to you almost irregardless of success you'll continue to make something interesting if you're not chasing the dragon of the spotify hits mm-hmm. or the or the playlist hit you know like that's the thing that i think is really important to keep in mind and with these guys you, you got to think like when you release a record that now 20 years on is considered iconic. You release a new record 15, 17 years after that. And you're like, we're going to do something new and we don't want like, obviously it'll get compared to the old thing, but how do we make something new? That's not just sort of trying to recreate the thing we did. So to create a sister record that is its own thing and is actually in some ways even better in certain respects because it's distilling all the things that work so well is like, to me, I mean, I'm not a musician, but like, it is a huge feat. And I'm massively impressed by no, what they did on this record.
1: To, to yeah. be this far in your career and this late in it, to be making a record that feels this powerful and, and, and important, mm-hmm. it's pretty impressive.
2: And, and and the nice thing for Broken Social Scene is that for them, they can just add more new members. And yeah. everyone's like, well, of course they can do that. They're Broken Social Scene. So yeah, but there's
1: new life and new energy, exactly. It's like as much as
2: like everyone's everyone's listening and they're yearning for like, oh, is Leslie on the record? Is Emily on the record? Is Amy on the record? Yeah. Then there's this new female voice with Ariel, and everyone's like, oh, who's this? It's like there's there's still that like there's still something new to uncover with this band. Mm -hmm.
1: Also, can I just play something really quick? You guys, this is definitely what's what's Mage again. I took her out. It was a Friday, Friday night.
0: night.
2: <laughs> Honestly, yeah. yeah. Just that part. Is that... Um, ta-
1: yes, towers and, towers and Masons.
2: Towers and Masons. Do you know what's funny is one of, uh, one of my favorite songs on this record, I found out, so this is the fun part about being be in the music industry. Um, when this record came out, Deer Rouge opened for Broken Social Scene in Calgary uh, in October of 2017. Oh wow! Yeah, it was like a random one-off show that was like being put on by a satellite radio station, and Danielle and Drew were like, "Hey, we're going to Calgary to open for Broken Social Scene. If you want to come, and yeah, like, me, yeah. like me, I'm like me, like I'm like, give me one second. Let me just adjust my paramedic schedule, and I am on a flight to Calgary because I want to come and see you guys open for one of my favorite favorite bands. Um, and then, funnily enough, like this is the weird thing about the music industry is that you cross paths with people over time. And like, I'd seen Justin Peroff when he was an eight and a half in London. And then I had run into him at like an industry thing in Toronto a couple of years later. So he like knew who I was. And then we were backstage at this Calgary show and he's like, Alex wider. And I'm like, Peroff, And he's like, Oh my gosh. He's like, I didn't recognize you because I lost a lot of weight. And he was like, Holy crap. It's so good to see you. We're like, we're, you know, have this like little catch up. And I'm like, okay, I'm like reverting out of manager mode here into fan mode. And I was like, I got to tell you like why I love this record so much. And I was like, one of my favorite things is Vanity Pale Kids. I said, these drums sound like they're bringing in the apocalypse. Like they're just mm. like, yeah. That's and then cool.
1: that's an intense song.
2: Yeah. And then that's pair, like off, the pair off, pair was Central like, scene
1: song right man,
2: like he's like, I, I actually like wasn't so sure about that song. I didn't like really love it. That much, which is so crazy because I'm like, as a listener, as a fan, you're like, this song is incredible. And the the artist, Mm there's a person still and they're like, ah, yeah, we, we weren't, we actually like, weren't so sure about that. It's just so imprinted in my mind that he like, didn't have the same like love and like visceral, visceral reaction to the song that I had had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's
1: definitely closer to it than you.
2: Totally. Because the drums, the drums are like such an intense part of that song as the drummer, he's probably like i don't know like was that that great did that work yeah 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 but
0: but like i think that's what's cool is like they're still making bold creative choices which you want in a band like you still want them to be like like you don't want a band to just be making the safe choice unless what they're trying to go for is like a top 40 hit and then it's like and then it's like okay like then you shave off the hard edges and like with these guys they're a band where it's like, yeah, you can, you can make that weird apocalypse song. You know? Yeah. Like, do it. 15 like, years later, go Olivia for it.
1: Olivia Rodrigo does not shave off her hard edges, okay? <laughs> I think what's, what's so important about a band like this too is that it seems like they're unwavering in their pre- presentation of, here's what we got, take it or leave it. It feels that way. I yeah. don't know
2: if it is. I don't know if there's like a hundred other it's songs. It's very unapologetic.
1: But yeah, I, I don't know if there's a hundred other songs that they say, well, well let's cut those because they're not good. But it feels unapologetic. It feels like this is what we came up with. Mm-hmm. Take it or leave it. Yeah. Which as a, as a fan, you know, we always want to take it. And we always are like,
0: we want it. Well, sorry. And, and speaking of taking things, the first line I wrote when I was taking notes for, for our episode tonight was, you know what? I like sharing hugs instead of bodily fluids. And I think that I think with <laughs> Hug of Thunder, like I I have Over to say lover, like w- like I I we didn't get on this when we talked about you Forgotten people, but like I really find Lover Spit like a gross song. Like I
2: really actually think <laughs> I
1: wrote gross. That's my note. It, I it is gross, gross. I and mean, like he
2: literally says, like swallowing words while giving head. Like that is so like visceral and like gross, and it, like the imagery is like oh, and it's like and it's no. and it and it can be like kind of. Beautiful in like in the moment of
0: like a sexual Situation but it's When you hear it in a song like that and when I think About Lover's Spit it's just like the 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 idea of like just the amount Of exchange that's happening in the song and like I think When I first heard that song I didn't really know He was singing "Lover Spit because I didn't really know The name of the song I thought he was like Like I was just like All these people doing Lover's And it was just sort of like meh I was like I don't know what that is but like I like the song And then when I learned it was "Lover Spit I was like, Oof, like. Oh, oh he's
1: talking thing. about semen.
0: Oh yeah, like lots of <laughs> talking about body stuff, and I and I just felt like body stuff. Hugs, <laughs> hugs, I can get more into. You know, yeah. hugs are a little yeah. less like visceral. In it's, terms well,
2: it's. it's it, I would say that this is also what you just said there, Kale. Is like this album is less adolescent and more adult. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. like lover yeah. spit is like that's a very adolescent behavior. Is oh. like this like ha ha I'm just gonna do whatever and you know I'm young and I can just sleep with whoever and then Hug of Thunder is kind of like ah you know what we've grown up a bit we probably shouldn't all sleep together let's have a hug instead yes let's share some intimacy but not
1: speaking of huggy intimacy yeah do you guys have any tasty treats
0: let's get some tasty treats tasty treats
1: I think the uh, there's a beat that comes in later in the song. Tom drums, I, I, I'm pretty sure. And it's about two minutes and 40 seconds into the song. For
3: the, world. For
1: the, the drum beat is just so unique and mm-hmm. weird and out of place.
2: It's kind of and, shuffly.
1: Yeah, it's kind of shuffly. It's these big... Tom Drums, I love it every time I listen to this record. The song Skyline, which I feel like is maybe a response to Shoreline.
2: Oh, uh, I well, I'd never thought well, about that Shoreline's before. Well, Shoreline, Lucas, 7-4. But I still think, by the way, it's like shout out to Self-Titled. The fact that the song is called 7-4 Shoreline and it's yeah. in 7-4 is like one of my favorite things in Canadian music history. Well,
1: they, I, I actually feel like they are just like, we're so proud of making a song in 7-4.
2: And so it I became like one of their biggest songs. In the
1: title because it's, we're so proud. Because 7-4 is really hard to play in.
2: Yeah. But then the, <laughs> the average person hears <laughs> it and they're like, why do I want to dance <laughs> to this beat? Because <laughs> it's in 7-4. That's why. But
1: the thing is, 7-4 is not really dancey. That's why it's so incredible. Exactly.
2: Uh, okay, but going back to Tasty Treats here tasty for a treats. second. I'm like, oh I I also has Skyline on my Tasty Treats list mm-hmm. because I read a great review that said Skyline is like somebody took Fice, I feel it all, and put it through a delay and a reverb pedal and slowed it down. And I was like, Ooh. whoa. It like it It totally is that kind of vibe, but also Say about skyline also reminds me of one of my favorite M eighty three songs called Wait from uh, Hurry Up We're Dreaming. Yeah, it's just like yep. I I want to sit on a beach at sunset with my friends and have a drink and listen to that kind of song. Yeah, it's just like it, it, it paints such a vignette for you, and I I love that kind of music where it's like I'm immediately sold on it not because of how catchy the song is but but how much of a scene that it evokes in my mind. How it mm. makes you feel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> M83 is a band we should talk about.
2: Yeah, I had Can I like can I like request that I get to come back for that yeah, one? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I have the- a I have a crazy
0: dream association with M83 that we could talk about when we do the record. Kay. But Me I had too. I had a dream where I was I think the record came on while I was dreaming, but like the record was playing in my dream and then I woke up and it was still playing and then I just listened to it for the whole morning and it like Broke my brain. I used
1: to fall asleep to M83 all the time. The album is called the one I fell asleep to. is called Before the Dawn Heals Us. That's
0: a great album. That's the album Moon
1: child of. bro. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> uh what? Uh, so, do you, uh, any other tasty treats?
2: Uh, I mean, I mean, stay happy. This this is like I guess this is a bit of a tasty treat, but also just like an adorable like awe moment for the listeners. Um, stay happy. I. I personally love that song a lot because i love that ariel got like her time to shine Mm -hmm. uh i live with my grandparents which is a very very beautiful experience for anyone who has never done like inter like multi-generational living it is the way of the future for sure uh i came downstairs one morning to have breakfast and my nana was eating her breakfast at the table as she turns around to me and she goes i was driving yesterday and i heard a new broken social scene song on the radio I'm like oh yeah She's like yeah It's called Stay Happy Have you heard it And I hadn't heard it yet
1: So your grandma broke you A new song when she Yeah
2: broke the- She's that cool That she actually that's had That's a cool grandma dude wow. I was like Okay I guess I gotta do Some research here My grandma thing. would
1: say Like that's nice dear
2: Yeah Whereas my nana was like Have you heard the new Broken social scene And I was like oh, Crap I got some work to do you poser actually though i'm like damn it every time ta- every time you that's think that really you're cool. cool it's like that's your so parents cool. or your grandparents like will have sighting to pull on you and you're like right that's really cool you made me i'm not as cool as i think i am <laughs> you just getting checked you know right getting checked by grandma it's, it's good day. it's good
0: um so i i would say a tasty treat for myself would would be the um uh, the hazy horns uh minute 118 on hug of thunder really like this song. The One of the things I love the most about Broken Social Scene is the way they sort of mix all these interesting elements, but they sort of crush them into this like interesting, sort of like a, Lucas, you said it earlier in the intro, but it's like sort of this washed out, hazy mix. And I think the horns, I literally think, are hazy on Hug of Thunder. And like, there's this like 10, 15 second bit where the horns come in, they kind of weave in and out of Hug of Thunder. And I just love it. Like, they're not yeah. prominent, but they add such a great... It it would be a lesser song without these horns.
1: There's a lot of stuff on these records where you you might not notice it, but if it was removed, you'd probably feel it's 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 uh, missing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, even anthems for a 17-year-old girl, there's, like, these weird, like, keyboard parts that I never really noticed till I listened on headphones a couple days ago. I'm like, oh, wow, like, I'm still learning about this song. Um... Yeah, it's it's really cool when the album has this many layers to it that you mm-hmm. can always find something like that where it's it's minute but it's uh, it's like it adds for yeah, sure. That's cool.
0: Yeah. Okay, so with with that, let's jump into Heroes and in Zero. Heroes. Heroes. As you heard earlier folks, and zero so we pick our the zero is the song we would cut from the record and the hero is the song we couldn't live without from the record so um lucas why don't we start with you why don't you give us your zero from hug of thunder
1: you know what this one was way harder for me to to choose a zero but ultimately i i i landed on victim lover i think well it's really because mostly i liked every other song you know, mm. when I listened to the record a few times through, I tagged a few songs as maybe, 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 and slowly they all got deleted till just Victim Lover was left. And, you know, Victim Lover, the good things I could say is that the vocal treatment's really cool. Mm-hmm. It sounds weird, it sounds unique. Yeah. Um, there's that little ooh at the end of the song, you know, ooh, it's mixed in, like the little, like, not in service phone beeps. So I like that. But ultimately, I just feel like this song. Every time it happened, I was like, oh, yeah, this song. So, yeah, that's my zero. Victim Lovers. Mm.
2: Victim lover, Alex, about you? Oh, this, is, this is a tough one for me because I feel like this record is one of the more concise Broken Social Scene records. It's mm. really tough to be like, what would you cut from it? Um, as much as it pains me because I love the title of this song so much, Mouthguards of the Apocalypse, the closing song of the Mouthguards? See, you mouth, mouth guards? See, I because love that song. I, I, I love it too. But when I listen to the whole record, I would love it for it to end on Gonna Get Better. That would be a very, very uh, nice see, way to re- end the yeah. record. I totally that, hear what you're saying. And based on I mean? the
0: parameters of what we've talked about being a zero, then
2: I, I hear what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, and my, yeah. yeah that, that Gonna I, Get Better would be such an amazing way to re- end that record. Totally. It's like things are going to get better. Like the end. If that was just like they left it at that, I'd be like, "Damn, this band is so optimistic!" And after 15 years, too. Yeah, yeah, I know. Did you guys ever watch uh, True Detective?
0: No, season one. Season one. Yeah, I love that.
1: The only True Detective that matters.
0: Season one well, the is
1: There, you know, it's it's uh, we got Woody Harrelson and you got uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey, and he, they're he, they're outside. And Matthew McConaughey's in the wheelchair, and he's like, "You look at the stars, and you see the points of light poking through." Like, light will win against darkness. And he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, but it's mostly dark. Like, there's less stars than dark. He's like, yeah, but it used to be all dark. And you're like, yeah, like, the light is starting to make an impact. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's that, that feeling is so powerful of, like, hope against the odds is it, so powerful. And so, like, yeah. to hear a band that should be jaded and should be... You know, like they've all been doing this long enough to be like, you know, life is hard. Then you die. Yeah. That could be the last song. It could be called that. But instead, it's called "Gonna Get Better." Right. That's so nice. Yeah. No. It's I know. so
2: nice. Yeah. I just I just felt like like the even though it's a great title, I'm like I'm kind of throwing by mouthguards at the apocalypse. I do, yeah, like, that like, like, no, I do no. like that song. No, I do like that. I know. I that, like the song, but I'm like it's very epic. I just I'm kind of ready for the album to end on that "Gonna Get Better" note.
0: Yeah, I mean, nobody li- the idea of a mouth guard is generally gross. It's like, yeah, it's not, a, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I know what you mean. So, okay, so Zero for me. Um, this is not a, like a takedown of the song at all, but like when I would listen to the record, I would just kind of forget about the song between Halfway Home and Skyline. So my Zero is protest song, <gasps> just because I just kept forgetting about the song between Poor Emily Haynes. Halfway Home and Skyline. It's like and it's a good song, and I like the song. But like, I was thinking about like when I was like things with were like were, when I was listening to the record passively, and when I was listening to it more intently. I just sort of like glazed over this one. So that, that's my like favorite. you're
1: listening, you're like, oh, write this song,
2: oh, which is funny because I feel like that's partly why I love that song is because that was the intention she literally says we are just the latest on the longest rank and file list ever to exist in the history of the protest song because there's so many protest songs. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, that's funny." Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, well, I mean like, did they, did they achieve what they were saying out to do?
0: I, and I don't know. And and again, that's when like, th- this is where I think it's important to call out. Like, I think it's a good song. I'm just like, when I think about songs that like, I'm like, could I cut it? I could cut, I could cut it. Like, I feel like you could
2: just go from, I totally see what you mean. Yeah. Will, that's really my take. Yeah.
1: Wow. Very different vibes on the heroes. Let's see how we line up on the heroes Ooh.
0: because my hero
1: is about as basic bitch as you can get.
0: Okay, Lucas. Why do you start us off? Yeah, go for it.
1: This song, the song that's my hero. The notes I wrote about it are that um, th- I love when a bass player makes a bass feel like a guitar, feel different, and this song does that. In, a, in an amazing way. But this song's also, I, I love the vocals, because Feist is singing, and I love Leslie Feist's voice. But Hug of Thunder, man, I just, every time we did this record, every time I listened to this record, I'd get to that song, and I'd be like, this song is so good. I love Hug of
0: Thunder. It has the same place as um, Anthem for a 17-year-old girl, you know, on the record. Which is
1: Yeah, interesting. Ooh. Uh, I just think Hug of Thunder is the apex of this album. And I, I, uh, I just think sonically, lyrically, all of that it just felt so good, and and to have Feist be part of my life for so many years as like mm-hmm. this, this voice, mm-hmm. it is great. Feels like an old friend showing up just when you need her.
2: That's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. I I
0: will agree. <laughs> well, you know, I'll just I'll tack on to that because that is also my hero. Uh, superstars we found inside.
3: They won't know
0: that I, again just because i felt like every time i came to that song the Archadette, it was just like such a lift up like it was like a like a it was like pushing your head through the clouds you know like it was just like Burr. like you just got poked through and you're like god damn there's a lot of blue sky up here and like oh, yeah. i felt like that song really took me somewhere so i that's, it's my that's heart nice
2: zone. to well, line that up was, again. That was also my... Damn, but we're so aligned all on this three of one, us, you guys. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, it's
0: hard to argue that
1: song. It's it's a It's, it's pretty undeniable. It's a beautiful I gotta song. say,
2: the lines all along, we're gonna feel some numbness, oxymoron of our lives. I'm like, mm. damn it, Leslie Feist. We missed you so much. Like, the minute she sang that, I was like, I'm totally sold the song. It like flips at that point, too, right when she sings that line. Totally. Oh. Man,
1: that's, I'm so happy, guys, because... Our zeros were so different, so it's, good to- it's It's nice to be aligned on something. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. It wow. Carol and I aligned probably too much on this podcast, but...
2: <laughs> it's nice when the guest we're, is like, I'm right there with you guys. Well, you know, we're last, trying to create last, some, some, some conflict, you know?
1: Last episode, my hero of the Blink-182 record was... All the small things and Kale. That was his zero.
2: So Ooh. we haven't actually talked. I'd probably be aligned with, a, I, I think I'd be aligned with Kale on that one. We haven't talked in a week. So...
1: <laughs> I'm glad you guys... You I'm glad
2: you guys... That you guys can like settle up over... I mean, Broken Social Scene will be proud of you. It brings people together. It's good. to of thunder. It's that big old hug. is bringing mm-hmm. you all in. Every time you hug right? Kale, it's like
1: a hug of thunder and like... Oh.
0: So so as we as we're kind of um as the hawk's sort of circling towards the tree branch uh let I think it's time for one last word gentlemen Here
3: we are Our old friend
0: at the end once again leave me where the last one last word Okay so um, why don't we start with, uh, you know, I guess first, Alex, why don't you tell us, like, give us your one last word on these two records and the record you think takes home the the Golden Wreath from tonight. Yeah,
2: which one's the winner? That, oh my goodness. As I said earlier, I really, like, dislike Absolutes.
1: <laughs> well, you like, shouldn't have come you've on heard this the podcast. podcast. I know, <laughs> I
2: know. I mean, like, why did I sign up for this? But I'm probably going to be taking home You forgot it in People. Like, it's just, like, I the more I think about this record, I'm like, my gosh, I probably would get emotional and cry if like you really pushed me enough because it's like that record mm-hmm. is just, it it is, it is like, you know, if you distilled so much of the last 20 years of Canadian music in the circles that like I work in with the music that I've enjoyed, it's mm-hmm. like you can literally distill it all into You Forgotten in People. Wow. And so I'm yeah. like, that for me is, is as much as hug of thunder is like a victory lap and is an incredible record and is such a testament to the incredible talent of this band i'm gonna i'm gonna go with you forgotten people takes takes the cake okay nice i like that
1: i mean i'll just i'll just tag on that hug of thunder was an album i i, I knew um I knew the song Halfway House, which I liked. I liked that song when it came out. I thought, oh, cool, they're still doing their thing, and it's good. And listening to the record, I thought, like, like, man, it's hard to be this good this late in your career, and it's hard to be a collective. Like, this is not a band in the sense of, like, Kings of Leon or, you know, whatever... Um, <laughs> Blink-182 where it's like the lineup may have changed by one person and, and it's so different or it's so hard to like, keep the, everyone engaged. Mm-hmm. This is a mob of people and and most of them are still there because they all believe in what they're doing. And that was really special. Hug of Thunder was very special to reconnect with. And it made me feel nostalgic. It really did. It made me that be fun. like I remember why I love this. I remember why I love music. I remember why I love experimental music and rock and roll being like weird. But I think ultimately my nostalgia once again wins out and uh, You Forgot It In People is I mean it's a masterpiece in my mind. It's you said it's such a strange record Uh, Cale you said earlier it's a strange record and it is. It's so strange. But I think that's its power. It's so strange and weird. Yeah. I do. What about you
0: Cale? I uh you know I I have to say I, you know, agree with the two of you. Like to ah. I think I think it's a three out of three. Like I I really love Tug of Thunder, but I think the, you know, just sort of like the the time and the place. There's something to be said too for the time a record comes out. Like if, you know, you forgot it and people came out in 2019 or 2022 versus 2002 it's a great record irregardless, but like the impact it had at the time it came out in 2002, was like, it's like one of those weird, like sometimes like it's just like the right place, right time. Things came together, but ultimately it's like, it's, it's a record that I felt like I was more drawn to revisit it. And I, I, again, you know, listening to it in the car a lot, but yeah, it's a, it's a great record. So I think as much as I don't want to necessarily just go with the like the the Iconoclastic one I think like if, if I had to pick gotta go with the the tried and true it's
2: hard yeah. to argue with it's, it's 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 there's a reason why it's like yeah still being talked about 20 years later
0: so um gentlemen now that we've come to the end of the episode I guess we only have one last question and that's uh what you vibing <laughs>
1: Yeah, what are you vibing? What are you vibing recently? Kale? why don't you you crack us open with that one?
0: Tell us what are you vibing recently. Okay, well, what I'm vibing recently um, is uh, it's it's, it's a throwback to an album that came out in 2013, and uh, I recently was able to get it on vinyl um, from a record shop in England, and it was not very expensive, and I think it's because this record did not do very well when it came out, but it's from an artist called Gabriel Bruce. And he released a record in 2013 called love arms. And it's like a, an, a, a wonderful mix of like Nick cave with a little bit of the national with like a bit more of melodic structures thrown in, but he's got this, it's like this guy, I think he was like 23 or 24 when he released this record. He's got this insane voice. It's so deep. And it's like, he like, he like clearly loves like Leonard Cohen, Nick cave, like, maybe a little bit of Springsteen, but he's listening and he's got a song called cars, not leaving from that record that if, uh, if you've never heard of him go on YouTube, look up cars, not leaving, but it's like, it's an incredible song. And I think the whole record is, it's like a guy in his early twenties taking these huge swings. It doesn't always nail it, but it's like, he's, he's swinging. And like when the songs land, it's like, they're incredible. And it's just a record that completely flew under the radar and it breaks my heart because, like, I heard about this guy. I don't remember how, but he's a dude where I'm like, this dude needs a lot more people to pay attention to his back catalog. So give her a Bruce. I recently got my hands on the vinyl, and I would highly encourage you to go check him out. But cool. Let's by him.
1: Well, mine's a bit less interesting. I mean, uh, our producer tonight, Jordan Clausen, is gone, but... He encouraged me to watch, a few of our friends as well encouraged me to watch this, and I watched How To with John Wilson on on, on Crave, HBO. And I just can't believe how he sees the world. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously, you see a guy walking down the street with a camera. He's a unique person. But, like, this guy's series, which I don't know what you call them, like mini documentaries, like found footage, mini documentary. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how to, like, trying to sell people on John Wilson is so difficult, but I just find that show incredible. How To With John Wilson, if you haven't watched it, if you're under a rock like I was, it's uh, one of my favorite things I've seen, and one of the most refreshing things I've seen in years.
0: Great show. Like, it's it's just, I just finished season
1: one. It was great. Season two, I can't wait to get into it. But I just found him, like, his view on humanity is, like, kind of beautiful, but also, like, unwavering. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't shy away from what makes people horrible. But he also <laughs> shows the great things about people. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah, and he's yeah. it's hilarious. He's hilarious.
2: Well, That's, Alex, take a on, baby. Well, uh, it's funny. I'm always, like, whenever people are like, what are you enjoying these days? I'm, like, I'm always so tempted to be, like, sell my own artists. Sell my own artists. So like as much as I'm like, obviously, everyone, please go listen to the new Dear Rouge and the new Jordan Clausen stuff that's coming out. I'm not going to shove it down your throat because that's what I do every day. Uh, what I'm like personally vibing with right now is friends of ours that we toured with with Dear Rouge back in 2018, a band called Elevator with two L's. Uh, they are about to release their debut record on May 6th and the lead singer Nabby she has been public about how much this has inspired the songwriting and the songs she grew up in a in a religious cult and a lot of this music has to do with unpacking leaving this cult you know coming out into a world as an adult and having to you know relearn things and you know yeah. unpack your understanding of things And I think for me, having grown up with some religious background, I think a lot of people who've grown up with some religious background, even if you still are a believer or you're not a believer, it's a really, really, really powerful um, collection of music that they are putting out into the world right now. Uh, The debut record is called The Words You Spoke Still Move Me, which I think is such a beautiful statement, you know, to be like, I grew up in a cult that I've left but the record is called The Words You Spoke Still Move Me. Well,
3: that's great. Mm. It's about
2: that, like, that, like that, like that, you know, is there something out there? Is there something greater than me? It's, it's that question, it's that longing, yeah. it's that unpacking, it's that unraveling. Um, and their most, their most recent single called Slip is uh, like, it's like a beautiful indie rock gem that is tackling an incredibly, incredibly heavy and complex topic. Uh, all the singles they put out so far from this record Slip. Another one's called Charlie IO and the other one's called easy. They're all uh, outstanding in their own right. Awesome. Those are their I've, I've, I've listened, I've listened to the entire record already because I'm good friends with their manager and it is, I heard the, I heard the record and I called their manager and was like, this is maybe one of the best records I've heard in the last five to 10 years. It's just it's it's all the best things that we loved about the early two thousands. It's all the best things we love we love about modern music, and it's hmm. also tackling an incredibly abstract and yet complex idea and the visuals and the delivery, everything about it. I'm just like I'm just I'm I'm really into elevator. That's and awesome. Like if I can if I can pump up my friends for a moment, I'm like, please go listen to their music. Very cool. Yeah. That's awesome.
1: I'm I'm gonna listen to it tomorrow.
2: There you go as will i well uh alex thanks so much for coming
1: oh man, on thank you so much you are you are definitely coming back
2: oh thank you guys this, you this, have this, to. this has been so fun i yeah, was saying i was saying during one of the breaks i'm like i've really just missed talking about music that isn't my artist that i have to sell i really yeah. love just talking about music because i just love it so damn much
0: well it's uh, it's what it's all about here you know yeah. it's uh, it's just about like let's shout about stuff we love and 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 dig into it a little bit and hopefully create some conversation with with other people so yeah, totally.
1: thug of hunder
0: thug, thug of, of hunder oh gosh okay well uh thanks for tuning in everybody and we'll uh we'll see you soon see sounds ya. good take care bye Like bye. and subscribe Like and subscribe Like and subscribe like and subscribe.
1: Like and
2: subscribe.
1: Logan's like, hey man, can you fact? Can, that? can you Google? Can I you hey I Google even monkey? I ain't my
2: ahead. own artist yet, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jordan, yeah, well, Jordan, Jordan is one of my artists. Jordan, producer. Artist
1: can you stop talking? We're trying to this. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Lucas. <laughs> 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 I'm like, should <laughs> we should segue that in, <laughs> in later? His